Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Welcome, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. The program is Everything Cooperative. We're celebrating Black History Month. Doing a little bit differently today. We've talked about sort of what's happened in the past and how we're standing today on the shoulders of people that have lived and marched and died for us. And we're looking more toward now, what can we do today We normally look at, in the last five years, we have looked at the relationship between co-ops and our black history, mainly focusing on the book that Jessica Gordon Emhard wrote, Collective Carriage, and talking with David Thompson, which we have talked to him last week about the civil rights movement, particularly the 1963 March on Washington and the important role that co-ops Housing co-ops particularly played in that march and cooperators working together, knowing how to function together, knowing how to um, get things done, which are some of the things that one learns in a co-op is how to organize, uh, how how to make decisions together, and when there's conflict, how to manage that conflict so that things can still get accomplished. This is history. So we, we, we look at the past to give us an idea of what's going on today with a sort of direction to what happens in the future. So we wanted to take today and look at some of the things that are happening in today that will affect the future for America and particularly black Americans. Coming off a strong foundation of people that have really worked and died so that we could have a better today and looking for what we now can do so that folks in the future, those young people that are already here and those people yet to be born will have a better future because of the work that we do today. Now we're going to talk to Deb Trocha about the up and coming conference. Deb, how are you doing? I'm good, Vernon. How are you? Great. And you're the executive director of Indiana Co-op Development Center. Center. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to see you next in two weeks from today. Yes, I'm very excited. Fantastic. And just your up-and-coming conference. What is your up-and-coming conference? What's that? Well, it's a conference that specifically was created to help groups who are starting food co-ops. It originally started as a, a small regional conference, and it's now grown to an international, uh, not an international, a national conference. Not yet, conference. not yet, but okay. Not yet. <laughs> um, a national conference. People come from all over the country, from Alaska to the south to the east and the, and the west, California, the east coast. So it's all about making sure that people who are organizing in their local communities to provide access to 
good, healthy, local, organic, in some cases, food, have the tools they needed, the energy and the enthusiasm is palpable. People are really excited about what they're doing in their local communities, and it's kind of a maybe this not might not be the right way to describe it, but when you're starting a food co-op, it can be a really lonely business. I mean, you're working with a lot of people, but it's really cool to have all of those people in the same room talking about, you know, what are what are their shared obstacles, what kind of successes are they having, what can they learn from each other. Are these food co-ops that are already in existence or are they food co-ops where people are starting them? Predominantly starting them. So most of our attendees will be in the process of starting. We'll have a few who have already put doors on the store, as we call it, Um, But for the most part, it's people who are in that startup phase. Some of them might be on the verge of opening, but predominantly it's going to be uh, those who are in the process of getting their store opened. Doors on the store. So they've got got a building with some locks and doors. doors on it, yes. I didn't coin that phrase. Someone else did. I'm just uh, using it. I got it. It's clear. (laughs) Okay, so but it's mostly startups, and I I talked to some folks in the D.C. area that's starting. They went a couple years ago, Mm -hmm. and somebody I have interviewed on this program who's starting a food co-op, this group is starting a food co-op in Detroit. I see they're going to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, We actually have people coming from 31 different states. 31 out of 50. Yes. Isn't that exciting? That's 60% of the states, 62. Yeah, it's really cool. And we actually do have a couple of people coming from D.C. this year. Well, one for sure, a startup group that's coming. Okay. And just one other quick kind of thing. This is our 10th year that we've been doing this. Um, And we've seen just tremendous growth over that time. We've seen so many new projects starting up. I think if you talk to folks who are involved in this startup process all the time, like that's their major line of business, they'll tell you that we've got in the neighborhood of, you know, 125, 130 projects in the pipeline who are in some phase of starting a food co-op. So that is incredibly exciting to cooperators, you know, across the spectrum. There's about 125 to 130 startups in, in the U.S., Yes. Of food co-ops. That we know of. And there yeah. could be projects out there that we're not aware of. So that's yeah. that's exciting. Oh, that's Especially very exciting. That's in huge. this day and age when the market is so competitive, it just is, it's really exciting and invigorating to think that there are groups across the country who, you know, maybe it's in an area where the big boxes have pulled out and there's a food desert. You know, they're not waiting for someone to come in and fix the problem for them. They are doing it themselves. Self-help. So you know, Self-help. Helping yourself as opposed to waiting for someone to do it for you. That's one of the values of cooperative self-help, which Absolutely. I like. Absolutely. Yep. I, I think the first time I ever dealt with this, I might have been 12 or 13, and we were boys walking over hills saying, going to a basketball court that might have been two miles away. I don't know, but we had to walk to it. And somebody said, when will they put a basketball court in our neighborhood? And I asked, who's they? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't have an answer at that time. Right. (laughs) 
<laughs> we did eventually build our own basketball court. It wasn't a two one and it didn't, but but we could do three on three. We eventually got together and built our own when I was in high school. So they is us. That's right. And it's much more, I mean, you appreciate it so much more, I think, when you have had a hand in helping to bring that about. Yes. You know, to create that, whatever kind of co-op it is, um, food co-op or otherwise, but, you know, you have been instrumental in helping to organize and create and find the money and find the staff and, you know, all those pieces coming together people in the community can be really proud of that effort. Yes, and create a lot of self-worth. Yes. A lot of value in this. So every time I think I'm coming out and I'm going to see you, and you are the executive director of the Indiana Cooperative Development Center, so I'm always thinking I'm coming to Indianapolis, and I've got to remember <laughs> this is in up in further colder country in Milwaukee. Correct. Why, why are you having it in Milwaukee? Well, we, uh, for the first seven years of our existence, we, um, we actually had the conference here in Indiana in Bloomington. And one of the key pieces to a, to a successful conference for us is to have a local food co-op host. And Blooming Foods, um, their general manager and I were the creator of this conference. And over time, they have encountered you know, some various issues that made it impossible for them to provide the support that they felt we needed. And then we also were kind of outgrowing the space in Bloomington. So as we were looking at a place to, um, to take the conference, you know, I serve Indiana, and my board wanted to make sure we didn't go too far afield. So we were looking at trying to keep it in the central part of the country to make it easy for everyone to get to. And we needed a city with an airport and a really strong local food co-op as the host. And that's how we settled on Milwaukee. And Outpost Natural Foods, led by Pam Maynard, has just been absolutely stellar in their support of this conference. Just to give you an idea, this year there will be 41, 41, staff and board members of Outpost who are going to volunteer at the conference. How many people do they have? That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Um, I don't know. I probably should know that number. Several hundred employees and then a board. So their staff puts out the word, hey, we're, you know, we're doing the conference again. And what we ask them to do is help with registration, help um, in each of the classrooms. And so they volunteer. And this is the best list of volunteers that we've had. I mean, we've, we've always had about 30-ish, but this year we've got 41. Um, and it's just phenomenal that this is an existing food co-op. It's important enough to support startup food co-ops that they volunteer like this to come out and help us put on this conference. Well, they're really living the principles, the fifth principles, training, education, and information. So they're Given and helping to make sure that people know so that these 125 new co-ops can be successful. Absolutely. And in this cooperation among cooperatives, which is the sixth principle, and that's always sort of, and that's one of the reasons I love co-ops, is sort of you get folks inside the business, inside this co-op working together, these 200 employees, board, and then they go, they work out 
networks and help other other people, other organizations, and then therefore their community survives and strives. And then these 125 other communities in 31 states, or how many ever of these new co-ops are going to be there? I, I, I'm preaching to you. I know you know you you know all of this. Well, and you had mentioned in your with your previous interviewer, and then as you came onto the segment about this being Black History Month, and I did want to just, if you'll allow me, to put in a plug. Um, several years ago, we were very intentional in trying to encourage and welcome and invite people of color into the conference. You know, food co-ops tend to be, and I'm generalizing here. In suburban areas, predominantly white, organized, but we're seeing huge can I just, organizations. Can I stop you? Okay. I've always I used to hear that um, co-ops or hippies that was white hippies uh, eating uh, yogurt and and, and uh, <laughs> but that we really don't know. And this is one of the reasons for this program and why NCB supports it is a huge history of co-ops in the black community and, and, and bringing it over from Africa and all of that. So please, I was going to talk to when you say, please, your co-ops and people of color workshop track, you have a whole track which looks like eight or nine different kinds of, of uh, things going on on Friday and Saturday. So, yeah, please talk about that. How did it get yes, started? Absolutely. So we were very intentional about creating a space for co-ops that are organizing. And a lot of times these are going to be in urban areas, um, low-income areas that are sometimes a lot of times in food deserts who've been without a lot of resources. And the co-op model lends itself very well to any kind of community, but especially looking at urban low-income communities, the people who live there really can take a sense of pride in helping to create these grocery stores. So anyway, we have created this track. The speakers in that track come from organizing groups, people of color. The speakers are people of color. We try to cover a lot of topics because uh, we want to sh- we want to show that we're welcoming, we're inviting, we want people to be comfortable, no matter the color of their skin. You know, co-ops are very very welcoming and inviting, and it's been we have seen an increase in the diversity of our attendees, um, and I think a lot of that can be contributed to the fact that we really are reaching out and trying to be very intentional about being as inclusive as possible. Deb, we've got to take Um, our break, but we'll come back, and I want to talk about some of those classes. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. why National Co-op Bank helps us sponsor this program to give you information about cooperatives. NCB's mission is to support and be an advocate for America's cooperative communities by providing innovative financial and related services. And right before we took break, Debbie Trocher was talking about one of the focus of of their up-and-coming conference, which will start uh, two weeks from today in 
like Milwaukee, cold. Okay, so let me stay positive here. Okay, <laughs> so De- <laughs> Debbie was talking about co-ops and people of color, that track. Can you tell us some of the classes that you're having there? I see striving in a white food co-op world, culture of the co-op, growing co-ops, striving, I see, anti-racism efforts at PFC. I don't know what PFC stands for, but. Um, that's People's Food Co-op in Kalamazoo. Um, so the general manager and a couple of staff members will be coming to talk about the efforts that they have undertaken at PFC in their community to ensure diversity and inclusion. The big theme across food co-ops to really try to be inclusive and as diverse as possible, making sure that they are you know, representing the communities in which they exist. And so Chris Dilley and the general manager will be talking about their efforts and what's worked, you know, things to, to be aware of. Um, so that's that session. Then we've got, and I think you've had Malik Yakini on your show before, He's going to be doing a case study talking about where they are in the process, what, you know, kind of what's gone well, you know, bumps in the road. So these case studies that we do really are designed to help people understand and see the story of the evolution of the startup of the co-op to see where there are some commonalities, where there are differences, what can they learn from that, Um, We've had Malik at the conference for about four years now. Um, so he's so with excited. the Detroit People's Food Co-op. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And yes, so he was on the show. About their efforts. And he was the first one that I interviewed. In I interviewed him in the Detroit. So it was the first time I used this equipment, and I, I went to there. They have a uh, urban farm. I visited their farm, and then I went down and talked to him. And I went to the area where they had planned to put up the um, store, and it's in a blighted neighborhood, uh, which in 1965, Deb, and I'm, I'm telling my age here, I worked at Ford in Dearborn for about nine months. I was a freshman in college, and I only went one semester. I didn't have money. So I went to Detroit, and I worked, and that was great for me because I learned that I didn't want to do that kind of work the rest of my life, working in, in a factory. But... Mm-hmm. The area in 1965 where they're putting up this story, it was like, you'd almost like give a, a leg to, to live in some of those homes. They were so beautiful and stately and grand. And now a lot of them are just torn down. It's it's sad. And I would go there. My brother raised his family not too far from where the store is going to be. Oh, would, awesome. Yeah, I would go there every five years or so. But to watch it decay and it's just it's sad. So yeah, I'm liking what what he's doing. I like his con- the conversation, and he's very very smart. <laughs> so. Yes. And then I don't know if you have had anyone from the Flint Project on your show yet. Um, we've got a couple of folks coming to talk about what's happening in the Flint community, and we know about what happened with the water supply and the water system. Um, and this particular project has a church behind it who's really been instrumental in moving this project forward. So Pastor Reggie Flynn will be doing a session on how you get your community leaders aligned behind the vision that you have for your food co-op. And then another person out of that project is going to be talking about how you grow the co-op. How do you, how do you 
get people to commit to being member owners of the co-op. You know, there's a lot of education that has to happen because a lot of people don't understand what a co-op is. Um, and so how they are doing that in their community. Those are both new sessions for us. I'm really excited to have them on board. Um, we're also doing a session on... Well, before, you, before you move on, uh, Deb, if you would, Reginald Flynn has been on the program. Okay. And I was, I tried to meet him when I was in Detroit. It didn't work. I was going to drive to Flint and meet him because I, I had tried before to get somebody from Flint to talk about that water issue. But he just turns out they have a daycare center, a school. Um, they have a lot going on around their church. And some of it was going on before he came back. He grew up in Flint. So he mm-hmm. has a tremendous sort of story, and he and he likes and totally embraces the co-op model, and he's looking to do other things besides the food co-op. So yeah, he should be great and and expand beyond food co-ops. Yeah, wonderful guy. Right. When you look at his bio and look at all the things that the church is um, part of, it it is astounding. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, we also are doing a session that Stuart Reed, who I know you've had on your show from Food Club Initiative, is leading um, with lenders. Obviously, financing is a critical part of starting any business. So helping to introduce lenders and these startup groups, helping them understand, you know, when you need to bring a lender into the project, the things, you know, really making sure that you have your ducks in a row as you're starting to look at financing for your food co-op since it's such a critical element of that whole process. And we are doing a new session this year. Um, It's going to be on Thursday afternoon, so it's one of our pre-sessions, and it's called Implicit Bias Training. Implicit Bias Training. Implicit Bias. You know, we can recognize outright bias. That's pretty easy to recognize. But a lot of times... The things that you learned growing up, they they color the way that you think. So you may internally have these biases that maybe you aren't aware of, and they color how you think, how you interact with people. So we've got um, a couple of very um, awesome um, women cooperators, Darnell Adams and Bonnie Hudspeth, will be leading that session on Thursday afternoon I wish I could be in it myself, but unfortunately I won't won't have that opportunity. But really helping folks to work through that, to work through their internal biases that perhaps crop up, you know, when you least expect it. You know, um, um, I like what you implicit bias. I call I've always called that systemic racism. It's it's mm-hmm. within the system, and people don't know it. And there was a couple of female commentators that lit onto the male commentator they were they were all caucasian all white but the male caucasian was talking about the senator who just came out and how tough she is and blah 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 and the people and they lit on him of when a woman is tough they call her the the b word uh-huh. <laughs> okay and that's what they talked about hillary but a man is tough then he's you know he he's great he's he's strategic he's and they wrap it around the male being tough as positive and the female being tough as negative. And that was very, very interesting. And I don't think the guy got it. <laughs> so, uh, but that happens with blacks and whites and uh, around all kinds of things, whether that's religion or race or gender. 
uh, yeah, I like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna be in that one. I'm gonna do my best after the. I, but thank you. Okay, what else you got going? And we only have a couple well, more minutes, so. Well, the, one other thing I wanted to put in a plug for. So we are doing a tour the same time as this implicit bias training of the Sherman Phoenix. All right, I um, want to go to that it, too. I can't do both. Okay. I know you can't do both. <laughs> it is um, a building that during the race riot was almost destroyed. They recreated it as like a maker space. So inside of this facility, all of the businesses are African-American, people of color. And think about a phoenix, you know, rising from the ashes. So that's part of why they call it the Sherman Phoenix. Um, I'm hoping I can get over there to that facility before the conference starts or when it ends because I won't be able to take the tour either. Um, but I'm very excited. Outpost helped put that together. Um, so that's another one of those really wonderful things that we've offered. And Outpost is covering the cost of the tour bus. So it's free to anybody, our speakers or our attendees who want to participate in that. And one last plug, there's still time to register. I was going to ask um, you that. How do yes. people get in contact? What did they, they do? Upandcoming.coop. So it's upandcoming, all one word, dot C-O-O-P. Um, you can register from there. We've missed the early bird registration, so the cost for the two-day conference is $275. Check, credit card, cash, we take it all. You can actually register the day of the conference if at the last minute something happens and you're able to come. So we welcome one and all. We'd love to have you there, and we are just really, really excited, Vernon, to have you at the conference this year. So we'll be live. We'll be taped live from the conference Thursday morning, two weeks from the day, and I'm very, very excited about it. So that's U-P-A-N-D-C-O-M-I-N-G dot C-O-O-P. Please log in. Deb, thank you so very much for all that you're doing and having the insight for that track on co-ops. And thank you, Vernon. All right. We'll see you in two weeks. All right. Thanks again. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Please have a great, great, great week and live cooperatively. Washington, D.C.'s news.